This time, we're peeling back the curtain of one of the worst movies ever made in Battlefield Earth. And along the way, we ask just how much Scientology lore is present here. Why did John Travolta believe in this project so much? And is there potential for a remake? We're just a couple of rat brains on this edition of Force-Fed Sci-Fi. Hey guys, welcome back. It has been so freaking long. I am one of your rat brains, Sean Michael Culp, and along with me is my fellow rat brain and co-host. I am Chris Rupp. <laughs> Hello, Chris. I missed you, brother. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. I am uh, fully ready to eviscerate this battlefield Earth. I mean, I, <laughs> I mean, as a hardcore sci-fi fan, I've been putting off watching this movie for so long because that's just how aware I was of how bad it is, and like it is such a basic, basic, basic plot that it's just it's almost laughable. Like it, the movie itself. <laughs> I mean, it's set in the year three thousand bunch of aliens called cyclos have taken over the world they enslave humans and are stripping the planet of its natural resources and then the apparently the head cyclo in charge or whatever we want to call him you know unless a, a character whose literal name is johnny good boy tyler for some <laughs> nefarious plan he has and it just it all goes to hell right after that i just i, I it's hard to make heads or tails of this plot it really is it's <laughs> you're, you're, there's, this is a no holds barred episode apparently we are going full in yeah whoever freaking roger christian the director that man that man and the screenplay writers Corey mandel and jd shapiro they they wrote something and directed something with this film i i have no idea what it is but it is doo-doo stew my man <laughs> I think we'll get into some of the the finer points as to why this movie is so bad. And, um, you know, I was surprised that Roger Christian directed this movie because his career, I mean, it it started off, he was a set uh, decorator, worked in the production design team, and was actually the second unit director for Return of the Jedi and The Phantom Menace. So Roger Christian Mm -hmm. has science fiction experience, yet made something like this. And he he freaking... He won Academy Awards. This dude, he won an award for Star Wars. He was nominated for Alien. Like, you think this guy would know what it takes to make good sci-fi flicks, right? You'd think, right? You'd think, but apparently, you know, he was sick on the day that uh, Ridley Scott and George Lucas sat him down and told him how to make good (laughs) sci-fi. He he just slept walk through those productions. He never actually paid attention. You know, it's it's one of those participation awards, apparently, because this is just nonsense. I mean, and the other big part, and obviously the big star of this movie is John Travolta. And during the 90s, it cannot be understated that John Travolta had a massive career resurgence in the mid and late 90s. I mean, he was in Pulp Fiction, he was in Get Shorty, and he was in Blockbuster after Blockbuster. I mean, I have a hard time thinking of a bigger star at any point in Hollywood history than I can think of John Travolta in the 90s. Exactly. And so he freaking, he was the guy, right? You'd say, okay, John Travolta, he's going to make this big sci-fi Blockbuster. You know, where could it go wrong? 
And I think where it went wrong is the fact that he is a hardcore Scientologist. Like he full on <laughs> believes in the hoodoo garbage that L. Ron Hubbard <laughs> came up with. And he w- was full bore. And I think once he realized just how powerful he was you know after pulp fiction came out that he went full line and said to his managers and his team and said i want to make battlefield earth and it just went all downhill from there yeah he he was so invested in this film he had been wanting to make it for a long time and maybe it's just one of those cases where you know a movie star just has their hands too invested in the plot and the pot you know he just he he needed that second opinion, and he never got it. Yeah, he put in $5 million of his own money to make this movie, which any Hollywood executive will tell you that as a star, you should never do that, because it's never going to end well. No, never. Like, obvious, unless you're one of those lucky guys that can make it out. But no, no, I totally agree. That's just... But, you know, Travolta, he had the money to blow, and he loved Scientology, as we said. So he thought this was worth it. But tell me, how the heck did they get Barry Pepper and Forrest Whitaker on here? Because those are pretty good acts, right? Because Barry yeah. Pepper came from Private Ryan, you know, in 98. And then Forrest Whitaker, man, he was, he's been around. He's great. Here were Barry Pepper's last, uh, three previous films before Battlefield Earth. He did Saving Private Ryan, which you mentioned. And then he did Enemy of the State, which is actually a pretty decent political thriller. And then mm-hmm. he does The Green Mile. Which you have to be made wow. of stone not to cry during that movie, and then <laughs> he does Battlefield Earth, which totally just derails his trajectory. And right. I think if he hadn't have done this movie, I think Barry Pepper's career would have been dramatically different. And we, Whoa. are you like, saying is is that is that yeah? You're saying that you think that he would have had a different career without this? I think his career would have been you know, on the upward trajectory. Like, look at the movies he does after Battlefield Earth. And it is nowhere near the level of movies he was making before Battlefield Earth. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you're right. He he was the guy, because I'm looking at it now. I mean, he made that 61, but after that, he kind of was always just like that side, the supporting cast. He never... <laughs> maybe. Uh, your suspicions may be correct, Chris. Uh, well, I mean, at least for Forrest Whitaker, he was able to kind of brush off the stink of this movie and was able to win an Academy Award. But I oh, think yeah. this was more on the this was more just a blip for Forrest Whitaker than anything else, because he had done great movies before this and he's done great movies afterwards. So I think he just kind of he's proven himself to be the exception. That is the rule here. <laughs> for, yeah, right. He is impeccable. He is invincible to box office turds like this the other people in this film is uh kim coates and then um sabine kersenti kim coates he looks familiar i can't remember where the heck he's from he was the rapey drifter in Waterworld. oh that's right i knew that face you know it's like yes he's that guy yeah the uh the rapist yeah, and he was also Tig on Sons of Anarchy. So yeah, Kim Coates able to kind of uh, kind of move past the 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 awfulness of that that is Battlefield Earth. Hmm. Well, outside of that, that was kind of really the top build cast for this film. 
Well, and also in a bit of nepotism, we get um, Kelly Preston, John Travolta's wife at the time. She shows up as, um, I think her character's name is Chirk. She's the 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 girlfriend slash assistant with the weird forked snake tongue that shows up in the last twenty minutes of the movie. <laughs> yeah, that's oh yeah 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 yeah. Do you think that was a uh, John Travolta move? Um, yeah, because he put up five million dollars of his own money and told the <laughs> producers, "My wife gets to be in this movie since I put in my own money." <laughs> Fair enough. Oh my god. This film so this film is just it feels like with this film it had to have had a it would have been hell to make because you're trying to pitch to Hollywood the Scientology gore lore from Ron L. Hubbard. How did this film get off the ground? Well, and we're not gonna spend too much time on Scientology today. We're just gonna kind of brush over some of the finer points of this film, but it's important to note that before L. Ron Hubbard became a legendary bastard and a religious con man. I mean, he was a very prolific science fiction writer. And I mean, Battlefield Earth is one of his novels. It came out in 1982. And right away, almost as a means of kind of drumming up publicity for Scientology and himself, he began marketing this for film potential. He sold the rights to Scientology's in-house literary agency at the time. And he originally envisioned this as a two-part film that was going to be budgeted at $30 million and $15 million for each film. And uh, thankfully, or, you know, tragically, however you want to put it, he, he died in 1986 and apparently any workings for this film project would never saw the light of day after he died. Which up until, you know, 98 was a dream. But then, but then, oh, John Travolta came into that picture. Yeah. So as we mentioned, John Travolta, hardcore Scientologist, has been for a long time. Never has a bad word to say about it. And the, I mean, the the church, quote unquote, has probably helped cover up some, you know, some nefarious things that he's done. But it was <laughs> soon after he was nominated for an Oscar in uh, for Pulp Fiction that he realized, hey. I could finally get Battlefield Earth made. And this was his pet project. For the longest time, this was all he could talk about from 1995 onwards. I want to make this movie. This is what I really want to do with my career. And in interviews, there are actual clips of him saying that he described this movie as, quote, like Star Wars, only better, end quote. (laughs) What? What? Oh, that's hilarious. He actually had the stones to describe a movie as being like Star Wars, only better. Now, like, I get that there are some people who have issues with Star Wars, with the prequel trilogies and the sequels, but the original film, you could make a solid argument. It's the one of the probably the greatest film ever made that you can you can make that argument. So for somebody to come out and say it's like Star Wars, only better is just, no, it's unfathomable because you're not going to make a movie that's better than Star Wars. You're just not. <laughs> he, he brought, in comparison, I guess they're on both spectrums, you know, one of the greatest of all time, one of the freaking worst of all time. Maybe, oh my God, even comparison to the prequels, this is fantastic. Like, this is awful. The prequels are God compared to this. Yeah, I mean, I get that there can be a pretty low bar with science fiction sometimes, but this basically like takes the bar to the floor, digs a 15-foot hole, 
and puts the bar at the bottom of that hole. <laughs> but how? How is it even possible? This man, he freaking approached Quentin Tarantino to direct this film. He got the protege of George Lucas, right? He he got like tons of people that develop costumes to make this look like such a great film and even stated you know this is a science fiction book it's not a religious book you know this isn't a religious film how the heck did this go down the tube because right i feel like a modern director might be able to swing this maybe and make it into a good film maybe well what should have tipped people off is the fact that there were two distribution deals that fell through before the film even started production mgm didn't want anything to do with this and neither did 20th century fox and it wasn't until franchise pictures came along and basically just cheapened everything like it the the studio got travolta to lower his uh, starting salary it shot on location in canada which also lowered costs and like we mentioned travolta put in a ton of his own money and the film wound up being budgeted at 73 million and you know i tried hard hard to look at this film and find where 73 million dollars was and i could not find it anywhere i don't know either you know, this has the sniffings of a fraudulent sound of thunder. You know, you that's... know? <laughs> and you're right. I mean, and you're absolutely right. <laughs> Franchise pictures, as we talked about in a sound of thunder, was was investigated by the FBI for grossly inflating <laughs> their film budgets. And they went to court and lost a very, very big judgment against them. And, oh and more God. to your point, I mean, John Travolta was saying for like years before this movie even came out that it's not about Scientology. It's not about Scientology. He said that as often as he could. And yeah. what's that famous line from Macbeth? The lady doth protest too much. The cyclo in stupid makeup doth protest too much. <laughs> He's a liar. Or maybe whatever whatever he thought it was didn't end up being <laughs> because this was just lore. And I'm not I I'm not too big of a Scientology guy. Like I, I just know from that South Park episode. Really, that's that's kinda it for me. Do you know anything about it? I mean, I I listened to um another one of my other podcasts I listened to. It's called Behind the Bastards with Robert Evans. And man, he goes deep into LRH's bastardy and and early beginnings and it's it is ooh there's a lot of levels that you know we can get into but they're outside the scope of this show but i think it is important to mention that the other prominent scientologist in hollywood is tom cruise and here's you know, the warning signs that kicked off when you have tom cruise privately telling warner brothers that this movie wouldn't be good who is all you know you should steer clear of this movie and that's tom cruise he's like the grand wizard of like all things scientology that man he he loves it you know as a religion so if that man is saying this thing is garbage you know that it's probably garbage this movie's hot garbage this movie's hot garbage in a dumpster fire in an oil spill (laughs) it's the worst of the worst covered in puke (laughs) <laughs> it's terrible oh my god well i guess that gives away our ratings <laughs> so, uh, so let's talk about what initially because when i saw this i was like when did i see this i think like 2001 2002 with my dad 
and initially I thought Barry Pepper was good. <laughs> Let's talk about his character. Because now I've seen this uh, 20 years later, and uh, whew, his character is just like as wooden as they come. I mean, well, let's start with his name. As we mentioned, his name is literally Johnny Good Boy Tyler. (laughs) And that is probably the worst name I could probably ever lay on a character. I can't believe it. Like, even in my worst day, I could never come up with a character as poorly named as Johnny Tyler. It's just terrible. Like, who thought that that was a good thing? You don't give your main character two first names. You just don't. And a middle name in the first name. I, like, good boy. What? What is he, a dog? Yeah, Johnny, good boy. Like, what the heck? That's yeah, terrible. and Barry Pepper, all he does is he plays this, like, lost Mary Sue type of character, and then he mystically gains superior knowledge and tactical know-how <laughs> and is able to majestically defeat the Cyclos. It is... Ugh. It's like they took a they took a page out of um, Clockwork Orange, and they're like, "Oh, maybe we maybe if we do this, you know, people will, people will think it's wonderful, but it's not. It, it was stupid. <laughs> it just connected up to this machine and then just gained all the secrets of the world, Wally style. Well, it's because none of it feels earned. It's all just given to him, and it's because of this profound arrogance of the Cyclos." That they just, they give them, the humans, the knowledge to defeat them. And it's just like, well, why did you do this? Why, like, what did you think was going to happen? You basically gave a race that you thought was inferior all the tools to destroy and kill you. Which is, it's so unfathomable that John Travolta's character is supposed to be this, like, warlord. Like, he's supposed to be super intelligent, the best of the best. And he makes the dumbest decisions ever. He's always assuming that the humans are just... Stupid. Like, it's comical. It's almost comical, like, how arrogant he is shoving a live rat into Barry Pepper's face. <laughs> that, one, that part was pretty good. While he's in the learning machine, just, eat food. You like rats? It's just like, what is, who wrote this? A fourth grader? I don't know. Yeah, I probably know some fourth graders that could write a better movie than this. Um, but yeah, like, this is the problem when you have a villain that's too smart like they become predictable and they become unlikable and then they just come across as arrogant and all you really want i mean you don't want the you don't want the hero to succeed as much as you want the villain to fail at some point and and what's made even worse by this whole dynamic is the fact that i never got the sense that barry pepper and john travolta like had any real chemistry like they it seemed like they just plain old didn't like each other mm-hmm. i know i think so too because they just there's nothing there you know like even with a bad script i feel like some actors can make some chemistry right <laughs> if they're good but it was just terrible oh uh, i think it i think it has to do though with the writing the writing is just so bad in this film like Barry Pepper, I don't even think he could salvage this. Not even John Travolta. No, and John Travolta, I mean, I mean, yes, I mean, you he, he is nominated. He was nominated for an Academy Award, but 
also, I mean, Matt Damon was nominated for an acting Oscar a couple of times. So, let, I mean, let's not go too far down that rabbit hole. I mean, and to, but to me, I've always considered John Travolta to be a somewhat mediocre actor. And <laughs> Barry Pepper, decent actor, better than John Travolta, probably. But, like, that's neither here nor there. But you would think that an actor, the actors of those, like, calibers like that, decent actors should be able to elevate bad material but the material is so bad and the direction is so awful that it becomes untenable at a certain point oh yeah and then with these insanely confusing camera angles that are just swooping and turning to the side it's it's you're watching this film and these scenes going i i i don't believe what i see or hear this is just this can't be real yeah, when every angle in your film is a Dutch angle, it's hard to, it's hard to, I mean, you can't tilt your head the whole time and watch this movie. It's impossible. It's like, was, was the mechanism broken that they had the camera on? Like, wait, who who said every angle is going to be Dutch angle? We're just going to shoot the entire film in Dutch, Dutch angle and just, and just see how it goes. That was apparently Roger Christian's idea. He wanted the movie to look like a comic book and if that was the objective then just write a comic book you don't have to do this yes or write dialogue like a comic book or make it well it kind of almost is comic book-esque for how how dumb travolta is i mean you know the cyclos the whole time i mean from the beginning barry pepper's character is smart enough that he's able to shoot the man and then sure enough he kills one of the cyclos and travolta's like oh i don't believe it he sneaks out. Huh, I don't believe it. Like, how many times do these humans have to just blow your mind before you finally realize that, oh, they are intelligent. They have life. Well, apparently it takes getting your arm blown off by a mechanism of your own design to finally accept just how smart they are. It's just, it, yeah, right? To be overrun and have your home planet destroyed. Speaking of the cyclones, well, actually, what about the mysterious girlfriend? I don't get why she's introduced. I mean, she really only has three scenes in the entire film. At the beginning, when she shows up and Johnny is tricked into working for Turl, and then at the end when Johnny just blurts out to this girl, like, hey, let's make some babies. Like, whoa, you moved pretty fast there, son. <laughs> right? He's had three interactions with her. I think, yeah, right? She served just as to move the plot, essentially. Because, right, doesn't Travolta threaten to kill her? And then that makes Barry Pepper's character be like, all right, Johnny's like, all right, I'll, I'll do what you say. I mean, really? Yeah. You're, gonna, you're just going to use her for that and then to be a sex machine? <laughs> well, she wasn't even like a, like a sex spot that we would have, you know, that like a movie of the 70s or the 80s would have made her out to be. This is just like she's not even there at all. She's... I mean, she's background scenery is what she is. Yeah. She doesn't She doesn't serve any purpose in this film other than being an anchor to Johnny's past tribe and his life there. <laughs> it's like in a regular film, like about a bank heist, the, uh, the policeman walks up and sees a chick at Starbucks and he's like, good morning. And then she happens to be in the bank heist during like the, when the robbers take over and then they threaten to kill her. But then the policeman's like, oh, she said hi to me. No, 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 I'll do whatever you say. And then at the end, he's like, ah, you know, let's uh, let's make love. Let's let's go on a date. And it's like they had, they said two words to each other. 
hey, and apparently all this happened. I mean, we don't know the extent of their relationship prior to this movie beginning. So maybe they had romantic feelings for each other, but she is absent for the majority of the film. And for her to show up at the end and for him to just look at her and say, oh, we can make babies now. Like, what? Like, you just skipped about... 50 different steps here son and like you like i get your riding high on the defeat of the cyclos here but now you want a baby as a trophy <laughs> more like hey how are you i've been gone for a while <laughs> right at least take her out to dinner before you broach the subject of babies right Man, jesus christ that's funny what about the Cyclos? Like, I mean, I said, you know, they're pretty, they're pretty stupid. But what did you think of their, uh, their cock socks or what? What was that? The, the, <laughs> the freaking, uh, the, the thing because they're supposed to all have giant Johnsons apparently in this film. I mean, if they are, I, I never got that impression, and I don't see how that's relevant to the story. I mean, <laughs> like. <laughs> These guys have dreadlocks. <laughs> it does not matter if they have giant Johnsons or not. They're not intimidating either physically or intellectually in any way. They just look ridiculous and stupid. It's so dumb. And this is how I know I would be killed right away if I ever lived in this world. Because I would see one of these freaking aliens and I would just start laughing because they all look stupid. It does. They're walking on four foot tall stilts. They have dreadlocks. They're freaking sometimes they have five fingers on a hand, sometimes they have eight. Their 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 pants looks like it has been stuffed with like ten tube socks. <laughs> their privates look giant. It's like, what the hell? What is this? What are, what are these guys? It's horrible. The makeup their skin is like gray, green. I, I don't even know. It's it's uh, I couldn't make sense of what sort of um you know evolutionary advantage they have because they're supposed to be advanced aliens and yet the only difference is they're taller than us they obviously have more hair and they're profoundly arrogant so i mean maybe this is just a commentary of what humanity could look like 10,000 years down the road i mean when we you know stop growing sideways but start growing upwards and just become profoundly arrogant and basketball hoops have to get raised up 10 more feet i mean who knows like i don't know i i, I really don't know what l ron hubbard was going for in the look of these cyclos but i mean i just i have a feeling that john travolta probably read battlefield earth eight or nine times backwards and forwards and just wrote down on a piece of paper what he wanted the cyclos to look like and they're just like okay oh, yeah. this is what john wants this is what we're gonna do oh yeah oh yeah i i had that feeling Absolutely. I got I got heavy Travolta influence vibes with these characters. I could just see him sitting in the writer's room being like, oh, no. we got to have dreadlocks because I've, I've always wanted to have dreadlocks as an actor. And, and that's cool. That would be cool. <laughs> let's let's have long nails. And yeah, 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 yeah. Make us super tall so we look super menacing. <laughs> yeah. And let's be really weird. And let's put extra fingers on each hand. <laughs> I want to see the Cyclos. When they attacked Earth, like like before, before they became so cocky, like no pun intended. I want to see, I want to see them before, like where where's the cyclos before they got lazy and stupid? 
Yeah, I mean, he says, I mean, Turl even says, like, oh, humanity was defeated in nine minutes. Like, okay, where's where's the record of that battle? Let's see that. I mean, it's it's short enough to put a break in this god-awful movie. I would have watched nine minutes of Earth being conquered if, I mean, if that's truly what happened. They they ran out of money, Chris. They They used their budget on the flight machine video. Okay, they probably only used like 13 million of that budget. There had to have been money left over to create some <laughs> epic battle scene. There just had to have been. Right. <laughs> They're using it to pay back the lawsuit. <laughs> it was it with these guys like I don't even I didn't even understand the cyclos. Like where did they get their orders from? It didn't make sense because John Travolta's character served how many rotations and he's supposed to go home. But then this fat guy comes in. He's like, you're going to be there forever. Ha 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 ha. Like, who's in charge? Well, I would just have a hard time taking orders from somebody who looks as disgusting as the planet ship does. Like, none of these cyclos look in any way, like, appealing to the eye or anything like that. Or at least, you know, have some sort of ambiguous features that are just you know, that make it less offensive to look at. But yeah, there's no sense in the hierarchy of the cyclos. Like I got the impression that it's sort of this monarchy corporation type of structure, but even that doesn't make a lot of sense because they go, they don't go into detail as to how leadership is structured or how this organization or government runs. It's just all like, oh, they're here. They've conquered Earth. They're stripping the natural resources. And for some reason, they want gold, even though it's not really explained just like how yeah. how that's valuable to their society. <laughs> what they're going to do with it. Maybe they just think it's shiny, you know, and it looks cool. I like some explanation would have helped, you know, like the fighting force for the character. <laughs> Even world domination. Just give me that. Well, right. And it's just, no, this is a foreign substance to you that like, and it's not explained at all. Your plan is to go bribe, you know, some planet ship with gold. I mean, and I'm, I just have a feeling if Turl was successful in his plan and bribe somebody with gold, they would just look at it and be like, well, what the hell is this? What am I supposed to do with it? Yeah. Well, that's because this film is like no meaning. I don't even know what the film is supposed to stand for. I really don't. Maybe for us not to be arrogant and to take advantage of like our moments, not forget our past because it can come back and bite us. I, I don't I don't know. I don't know what the symbolism. I don't even know what this film's about. I mean, yeah, I, I completely agree with you that there is there is a major lacking of any sort of real symbolism or underlying theme or even there are certainly themes are just they're not powerful and they're not they're not great and it's just it this is such a vapid film I and mean, this is the first movie in a long time that i can remember t talking about where it was just there was just nothing going on there was nothing that was beneath the surface here no it it seems pointless and it feels pointless while you're watching it because the story sucks, not entertaining, and all the motivations of the character is just, like, mind-boggling. Sure, sure, you get the humans that just want to, like, survive, I guess, and go back to normal life. But it, it really doesn't... I don't know, it's not like one of those feel-good movies. You don't really learn too much while watching it, other than how not to make a movie. 
No, and there were just so many times where I just caught myself like rolling my eyes during it or derisively laughing at it, and it was just like it's it's rare that a movie just makes me check out and just not care about it at all. But that was that's just what I felt watching. Like I did not care. I mean, the themes of you know freedom, like that's such a base theme. I mean, and really, you can make an argument that that's in every movie. And it's it's ridiculous to watch it play out on screen at times. Mm-hmm. And the evolution of like the humans, I guess, rediscovering their humanity, right? Because they're basically like animals, I guess, to these aliens, you know, when they first um, come across them. But I mean, even then, it's it's I don't know <laughs> what this movie's about. I don't know. I think you wrote in the notes, Planet of the Apes. But it's not even, it's like a crappy version of the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, this is basically Planet of the Apes, but with aliens. And, like, aliens and with there's worse makeup and ter- worse <laughs> acting. That's what this movie is. It's so terrible. It really, Yeah, like the humans, you know, dethrone the aliens. It's just... But it's done so much better in Planet of the Apes. And we actually just reviewed Planet of the Apes. So check that out. That's a better film. Yeah, better series of films. I mean, it's just, oh, it's so ridiculous. And, and I mean, we don't. We certainly don't have to continue on talking about this movie because there really isn't much to digest here. <laughs> it's just, but I think an essential question to ask, and one we particularly like to ask when we watch our films is, you know, who is this movie for? And to be honest, I can't think of a single demographic that this would appeal to other than Scientologists. I think this film is for people that enjoy watching low-budget B sci-fi and horror movies and like to play drinking games. (laughs) Because if you play a drinking game, I actually read this online where if you count the, well, you could do a drinking game on Dutch angles, but you'd pretty much be trashed within the first 10 minutes. Or if you want to play a better drinking game, you could drink how many times you catch the cyclos missing and gaining a finger. But other than that, I really, I, I agree. Scientologists and maybe people that love crappy movies. I mean, but if crappy sci-fi B movies are your bag, I mean, there are much better ones to watch than this one. <laughs> From the 40s and 50s? Yes. Yes, there are. I mean, if you're a hardcore sci-fi fan, I think you should be offended at this movie. And even casual sci-fi fans aren't going to find any value in it. And to me, it's just this just falls into this gray area of like me thinking that this movie truly isn't for anyone. Like there's there's no audience for this. No, this is this is one of those passion projects. This is kind of like those films that George Lucas said he was going to make. You know, the the special films that no one is ever going to see except him. You remember that interview? When oh, they asked yeah. Him he thought he was going to. We all thought he was going to start financing indie movies after he got that Disney money. And then turns yeah. out none of that is ever going to happen because he loves retirement <laughs> and loves counting his money too much. Yeah. And, and building museums. So that's that's it. That's it. That's what I think. You know, this it's just no, I, I'm I'm good. <laughs> well, I'm, speaking I'm of good. things that have uh, no value, did you have a lens flare? 
I mean, what, what not the Dutch angles? I mean, this whole film's a freaking lens flare. I'm blinded by the stupidity in it when I watched it. This whole thing. I mean, pick one, man. The Dutch angle is garbage. The CTI, the CGI, as I was, is garbage. Um, what else? I mean, the, the stupid rat crap. Well, that was actually kind of funny. But every time they like threw rats at the humans to eat, I mean, it was so dumb. How about you? You know, I, I I've got one, and you know, obviously this movie is set in the year three thousand. They make a big deal about it, and during Johnny's whole plan of rebellion, they they come across this military bunker that somehow contains working assault rifles and working um, Harrier <laughs> jump jets. And you mean to tell me that after a thousand years? Those freaking things still work? There is no way. No way. Those guns are rusted out, and those jets are basically drained of fuel because jet fuel doesn't have that long of a shelf life, and none of it, none of those things work. There's just no way. It's so mind-boggling. For I even stupid. said out loud while watching this, while they were doing like testing all the guns and the jets, like that. And I said out loud that would not happen. No, like like movies. I understand, folks. I understand suspension of disbelief. Right? We all get that. But this, this is a major suspension of disbelief. This is like in freaking. 10 years, 150 years going to the bottom of the sea being like, oh, the Titanic. Wow. Why don't we just float, patch up the hole and float it up normal? You know, it's like, no, no, that doesn't, that doesn't happen. No, I'm that, sorry. At, the, at that point, it's not suspension of disbelief. It's just plain old ignorance is what it is. <laughs> People that didn't do enough research into aircrafts. That is, you're, you're absolutely right, my man. What about uh? What about red shirts? Did you have any of those? <laughs> uh, you know, so many of the characters we don't really learn their names, and they're just kind of like, you know, they're briefly in the film. But there is one that I found, and 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 this ties into kind of an overarching theme that we have on the Force Fed Sci Fi podcast. You know, when we see a new bit of technology that's introduced, we usually it's demonstrated quickly by like obliterating some innocent animal or anything like that. But in this case, Turl demonstrates this bomb collar that of his own design that apparently will blow up because of a unique frequency that he's designed. And he tests it out on one of Johnny's comrades in a death <laughs> that occurs off screen. I will add he, so he straps the collar on this person's neck, pushes him off to the side, presses a button, and supposedly blows his head off. But we don't know for sure because nobody can tell if this person's actually dead because that's how cheap this movie is, is that there's no, <laughs> there are no any sort of like death effects any of any sort. They ran out of money. They're, they spent it all on the slow motion uh, grieving scene. Because don't forget, when they blew off his head, so they say... They, they decided to spend like five minutes in a slow motion scene with Barry Pepper crying. Which is five minutes longer than it should have been. <laughs> I don't. Uh, with a Dutch angle. I might add a Dutch angle was added there. <laughs> yeah, Not because the entire movie is a Dutch angle. <laughs> Not even slow motion. Oh, that's another thing for a lens player. The freaking slow motion that was used all the time in random occurrences that did not make sense. Good Lord. What the hell? 
I would say my red shirt would be the opening cyclo that gets uh, murdered by Johnny. <laughs> you know, though he steals the weapon from him, and then uh, John Travolta's character is like, "Oh, he didn't do that," and then sure enough, he murders him. <laughs> yeah, and then like Turl, because he's so dubious about it, causes the death of another cyclo. It's like, you, dude, you like look at the body, look at the big old you know golf ball size hole in it. Because by the way, we I mean we don't see anybody actually die. We just see them like fall. I'm pretty sure the direction was look. We don't have any money because our producers are cheap. So just fall down and pretend like you were shot. <laughs> we'll blur you out. <laughs> we'll 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 make you uh, <laughs> fuzzy. So so they know. Yeah, they didn't want to have any blood. This is like, I don't get it. It's just so stupid. The choices made to where they invested their money just doesn't. You know. Let's spend millions on the costume design, but um, not care about blood. Go yeah, whatever, whatever. I'm over it. I'm over it. What about the toxic fandom? <laughs> well, I mean, uh, it's pretty clear. I mean, what bothered people the most about this movie? But there is one that kind of um, I found to be funny because half you know, close to the end of the film, Fort Knox just shows up. It's like, hey, we can get gold from here. We don't have to do any dangerous mining operations. So, I mean, courtesy of IMDb, this is a one-sentence um, goof, which I which I appreciate a lot. There is no reason that the vault at Fort Knox would have been left open, and that is so true. <laughs> it's so funny and it's so simple. It's like, yes, there is no reason at all for the vault to have been left open at Fort Knox. <laughs> yes oh my god yes and how are the cyclos unaware of this gold after a thousand years like did they 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 did nothing to study the history of the humans like if they had just read up a little bit they would have found out about fort knox ripped the ripped the roof off and just took all the gold for themselves they didn't have to go through this whole rigmarole of enslaving humans for anything it's so dumb. It's like the laziest script I've ever seen, never written. It's so lazy. It's so... <laughs> what? How have you been trying to get gold, but it's been right there? Like, it's so... It's just dumb. That's what I thought with, with all the books, right? All the books, when he shows him the library, Barry Pepper's library, he doesn't even attempt to read it. The cyclo is a John Travolta is like I don't. There's no knowledge that I could be learned from this library. It's like what you took over his species, bro. You don't think like you could learn something about him? Oh. No, but then then again, that's just the arrogance of the cyclos. They don't care, and it eventually leads to their downfall. Thankfully, but you, so it ends the movie. But I'm sorry, but arrogance, like you know, you can't be that arrogant. Arrogance without like really. How many times do you... That's just delusional. Like, you keep making the same mistakes over and over to show that your race is dumb, but then you're still, like, chalking it up at the last shot into the wind. Oh, they, they can't do that. It's like, dude, they already broke into your house. They bombed your planet. They freaking showed that they could use the weapons. They took you over. And what else do, do you need to understand that these people are advanced in their learning? He's just such an idiot. It's lazy yeah. writing. Lazy writing. Uh, so with all that in mind, let's try to unpack the legacy or you know the <laughs> the infamy that is Battlefield Earth. 
<laughs> All right. So when oh, it premiered, boy. it came out near the 50th anniversary of L. Ron Hubbard's book on Dianetics, which is the book that kicked off the whole Scientology thing. And again, it just reinforces this whole idea that this movie was made by Scientologists for Scientologists. <laughs> in spite of what John Travolta tried to tell us a thousand times beforehand. So, I mean, and the critical reviews of it were just absolutely, oh man, like terrible doesn't even begin to describe just how <laughs> epically people crapped on this movie. Like Roger Ebert only gave it half a star and essentially he called the film bad in a hostile way. Like, I mean, I'm paraphrasing what he said, but he said the film like isn't just bad. It's like somebody sitting next to you on a bus that hasn't showered for three days. Like it is bad in a hostile way. And I think that's the most like like I couldn't even dream of writing anything so insulting. <laughs> it's bad in a hostile way. That's amazing. And contemporary online reviews haven't been much kinder to it either. I mean, it's got a it's got a <clears throat> nine on Metacritic, a three percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and <laughs> I mean, I don't know how it doesn't have an F on cinema score. I mean, it's managed to score a D plus, which is amazing to me. But I feel like that <laughs> may be like some sort of Scientology contingent that's trying to, you know, write some up reviews on this movie just to get it, you know, popular again. Uh, and against that massive $73 million budget, there was also $20 million spent to market and promote the film. And it only managed to gross $29.7 million worldwide. <laughs> I'm shocked that it made that much. Those, those people were bamboozled. I think they were, they were drunk and they didn't know what they were walking into. Because look at the poster on this. Like even looking at the poster, you just see a giant John Travolta face, these horribly CGI'd ships. Come on. I mean, it was so bad i mean the bad reviews and the word of mouth just kind of led to this really disastrous falling off i mean somehow it managed to gross 11 and a half million dollars in the opening weekend and then that <laughs> fell to just under four million dollars the second weekend and then like <laughs> the next week it just it was just dead in the water like i think it looks like it grossed just over two hundred thousand dollars after the third week <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, in the third week, it was $1 million. And, the, and after a month in theaters, it, it, it took in like $200,000. And Warner Brothers was just like, nope, nope, done, done. I think it was pulled from theaters after after seven weeks. And it was just, it was awful, terrible. So <laughs> Warner it, Brothers just like, we can't pull this out of theaters fast enough. It had to be, I mean, I don't even, a worldwide so it, it it only made eight million. In, wait, no way. Okay, so it made eight million internationally. I was like, well, that that seems about right. And that's saying something because like North America is only a very small percentage of the worldwide movie going <laughs> audience. Your big audiences are China and Europe, and for a film to make dramatically less overseas than it does in. Um, the the domestic market is is amazing. People worldwide were just like, no, we will not go see the crappy John Travolta movie. <laughs> right. 
They saw it and were like, hell no. I do not care. Get this crap away from me. And, I mean, it did get a home media release in 2001, but I also think I have an insight as to why 2020 was so awful because somehow Battlefield Earth managed to get a Blu-ray release in 2020. It has to just be because it's so bad. There's no way. Like, it has to be one of those that's so bad it's good. No, like, it's not. It's not even one of those it's so bad it's good things. It's just plain who, who, bad. Who wants to watch this? Like, like what can they provide on Blu-ray? Like, well, why we would you even to pay see? to watch this? I watch this because it's on <laughs> Netflix. Yeah, right? And it's not like they're adjusting the CGI, you know, remastering it. No one wants to see the remaster of Battlefield Earth on Blu-ray. You know, oh, maybe we want to see the director's comments on the review. Like, what? Who wants to watch that? Like, I'll listen to Peter Jackson's commentary on the Lord of the Rings movie, but there, you, you could not pay me enough money to have to sit and listen through what Roger Christian has to say trying to defend this hunk of crap. There's just no way. <laughs> you know, this movie sucks so bad. It didn't get a Saturn. It only got Razzies and Stinkers Bad Movie Awards. Not a Saturn. <laughs> and that's bad, because Saturn gives that stuff out like candy. They do, but I mean, I mean, the Saturns do a pretty good job of recognizing the good films in the genre, but like, if they had just handed a that you know a best science fiction nomination to this film it would have it would have destroyed the credibility of the saturns <laughs> oh yeah without a doubt but the razzies i think this one it won eight and then uh it went up which was a record i believe until 2012's uh jack and jill yeah, I mean, like it everything. It won a whole bunch of Razzies. It's still winning Razzies in terms of retrospective awards <laughs> with, you know, worst picture, <laughs> worst director, worst actor. Worst actor of the decade. <laughs> it's probably going to win worst actor, worst movie of the century, bro. I mean, I mean, I, I hope I'm alive long enough to see more movies for the rest of the century. But, yeah, I think it's uh, I think it might be a safe bet that. um that Battlefield Earth is going to live in Hollywood lore as one of the most just legendarily bad films. I mean, it's uh, there isn't even any potential for like a remake or some sort of remastered version. This is just like you cannot salvage this movie no. with enough hindsight. There's just no way. No, it's impossible. This this movie is just hot garbage. Literally, it, it it checks all the all of our boxes. It's had a parody about it. There was fraud in franchise pictures. It's about it was financed by an actor. I mean, it has all the workings of just like complete hot garbage. Yeah, this is an absolute train wreck of a movie, and this is a good segue into our rating. and And if you've listened to this episode so far, you have a pretty <laughs> good idea of what we're gonna rate this film, but. Just for the sake of the show, on our rating scale for the Force Fed Sci-Fi Podcast, we have Wouldn't Watch, Would Watch, Would Own, and Would Host a Viewing Party. Sean, I don't think there are any surprises here, but what do you give to Battlefield Earth? I'm going to put uh, Eradicate from my brain. Oh, yeah. 
we're we're forgetting about this bad boy because this is just hot hot trash, man. I it took me two viewings, maybe I had to break it up. I think you said the same thing because it's just so bad. Like it's terrible. It's it's clunky. The dialogue's terrible, as we've said. The pacing, the camera angles, the fighting fours, the thieves, nothing really makes sense. I, I feel like you could just just look at the list of the worst movies ever and pick something else. I'd rather watch The Room than this because it's just garbage. So, no, 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 I would not recommend unless it was a film class and we were critiquing how not to make a movie. That's uh. That's all I could say, Chris. I, I'm all fettered out here. How <laughs> about you, man? You know, I think there are a few films that nearly everyone agrees that, that, that it's universally terrible. And I think this is one of those movies, hands down. There, it's, there's shallow characterization. There's barely any characterization at all. The themes are vapid. I don't understand the tilted angles at all. The visual effects look terrible, even for the time it came out. And... Every single actor in this film should be ashamed of their performance, and I believe they should issue a public apology. Everybody involved needs to just issue a mea culpa and say, I'm sorry for the part I played in this movie and for the affront to everybody's eyes and sensory, and this is just plain bad overall. And I could only watch this movie in about 15 to 20 minute spurts at a time because that's just how bad it is, and... I'm with you right along. I would erase this movie from my memory in a second if that technology existed. I want the Neuralizer from Men in Black to just totally <laughs> erase any trace of this movie from my mind. I would rather watch The Last Jedi again on a monthly review, ah, maybe yearly, yearly review than watch this ever again. Yeah, it's just it's just so bad. Like, I think this is hands down the worst movie we've talked about for the show. Like, without so. without even a thought. Like, this is somehow worse than the Postman <laughs> in a Sound of Thunder. It is. It it found a way to be even worse than those two. And I don't know how, because those are so bad. Like the CGI is so bad in Fraudulent Sound of Thunder and the Postman. But yeah, I'd rather take. Uh, Kevin Costner's uh, self-glorification over this crap. Whew. Yeah, just random women throwing themselves at Kevin Costner is much better <laughs> than some big foreheaded chin, uh, foreheaded woman throwing themselves at John Travolta. Oh, God. Please, please, Major Samantha, take us to a new home. <laughs> bring, us, bring us fresh air to breathe. Granted, the bar is super low to be better than this movie, but let's see what Major Samantha has in store for us. And from our list of 118 movies, she has selected uh, number 10. We're going high in the list. And, oh, thank God, because it's a film from 1979 that's directed by Ridley Scott and starring Sigourney Weaver. It is Alien. No way. Bro. Wow. Talk about polar opposite, man. Uh, and we get well, we need an absolute palate cleanser to wash the taste of Battlefield Earth out of our mouths. And I think Alien is the proper tonic for that. Holy crap. This is so great. <laughs> Sweet. Thank you, Major Samantha, for not letting us down. I love it. 
Uh, so that's going to wrap it up on this edition of the force fed sci-fi podcast sean thank you so much for joining me today likewise brother thank you i missed you <laughs> missed you as well my friend and we missed all of you we're going to be back to releasing episodes on a more regular basis now that our lives are getting back on track and if you enjoyed today's episode please head on over to apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review that really helps to drive us up the charts as well as help people like you find the show we are across the spectrum of social media with Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at ForceFed Sci-Fi. You can check out and download episodes from Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you find podcasts. And go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Finally, you can check out our website, ForceFedSciFi.com, for show notes and links to all of the social medias. So for all of us at the ForceFed Sci-Fi team, we will see you next time.